So again, by way of reminder, we are in the middle of the Ten Commandments, and today is commandment number nine. I worked one of the many jobs that I had in my life is I worked in an RV dealership. You know this. I've told you this before. And uh, we had two jobs in the body shop of this RV dealership. Job number one, old people would buy travel trailers and Class A motorhomes, and they would forget the clearance that their vehicle needed. So they... And it would peel back about six or eight feet. We'd have to put it back together. The second job that we had was we had to take trade-ins and we had to make them look like new. And we, we had all kinds of tricks. We would paint the wheels. We would put in all new upholstery and fabric on the inside all the, so that a salesman could say, yeah, some little old lady traded this in. She only took it out a few times, right? I had another job where uh, my, uh, they would clock their friends out. So at the end of the shift, this is back when we had time clocks, at the end of the shift, they would clock themselves out, clunk, and then they would go grab their buddy's time card that had left 30 minutes earlier, and then they would clock them out, click, right? And I wouldn't do that, and so I remember one of them sitting me down and saying, Max, you're going to ruin this for everyone. And they were really mad at me. Um, there's like a saying from old, long time ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. Oh, you've heard of it. OK, so the, the ninth commandment, the ninth commandment is you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. But we all know this commandment as thou shalt not lie, right? Okay. On the one hand, nearly everyone condemns lying. On the other hand, nearly everyone lies every day, right? So like it's one of those things for us. And we just finished a brutal election, didn't we? A brutal election. And I lost count of all the lies. You know, I can't even have, have a lie tracker. And it's in America, and because of our political system, we've almost come to expect that if someone's running for national office or whatnot, they're, they're just going to lie to us when they talk to us. And, and we have this built-in expectation. Years ago, there was a president who made a promise. He stood up at a big thing, and he's, read my lips, no new taxes. And do you, young people, do you know what happened the next election? He lost. Do you know why he lost? He raised taxes. <laughs> so they were like, gotcha. Okay, so the truth is, the truth is, we can't handle the truth. I mean, that's, that's the truth. We can't. In 1990, don't believe me? Watch this movie. <laughs> In 1997, Jim Carrey delivered a brilliant performance in the movie, Liar, Liar. He plays L.A. lawyer Fletcher Reed, who is struck with an inability to lie. And so all of a sudden, in every single situation he finds himself in, he's just telling the truth. And the results are hysterical. I mean, it's, it is hysterical. If you have young kids, you know what this is like. Because there are things that you say at home about your work. There are things you say at home about their teacher or their coach. And then out in public, out in public, they correct you, don't they? Mommy, that's not what you said. You said he was an idiot. <laughs> shh, shh, here's all the candy and money I have. Go away, right? Shh, shh. And 
This coming uh, weekend is uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and some of you may have an Aunt Edna. The, the thing is, kids and old people, they lose, the, they don't have a filter. Kids and old people, so young kids and old people have this thing in common, there's no filter. They just say the truth, right? And so it's entirely possible at Thanksgiving you may have an Aunt Edna, who's 97 years old, who does the... What is it wrong with this pie? Did somebody put sawdust in it? And you're like, Shannon, it's the first time Julie baked. Don't, don't say anything, right? Because the truth just kind of comes out, okay? So Exodus chapter 20 is telling us something important. And here's my bottom line for today. God wants us to be truth tellers. He does. But he also wants us to be kind. And that's far more important, okay? Truth is important. But kindness is oh so important. And so we're going to wade into that today. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, uh, it says this. You must not uh, testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Now, this testify falsely can mean several things, the word that's used there. It can mean you must not lie. You must not say things that are untrue. You must not be insincere. Uh, you must not be frivolous. You must not be empty, okay? Now, false testimony in this passage is set in a context of a trial where a man or a woman has been accused of a crime, and if it's a capital offense, it could be a matter of life and death. Now, I have to point out some things because our world today in 2018 is really, really, really different than the world of Exodus chapter 20. So let me begin with the popo. <laughs> See, today we have professional law enforcement. You know, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do, what you gonna do when it come for you, you know. Law enforcement, okay? You get pulled over by somebody in one of these black and white beauties. And he has a badge and a gun and he writes you a ticket. You're not pulled over by your neighbor. Citizens arrest. Like that doesn't happen, okay? Professional law enforcement. This year, I got pulled over by the Kentucky State Police. It was either last year or this year. I've, I forget, right? I, was, I had a meeting in Frankfurt. It was, I was... I was going to be saying some things that, were gonna, that was going to make people uncomfortable. And so I was rehearsing in my mind how I was going to say it. I was saying it over and over again so that I would say it right, because I knew I was going to make a bunch of people uncomfortable. And I'm tooling along at 57 miles an hour, and there's a 35-mile-an-hour zone. And I kept going along at 57 miles an hour. Boom! Woo! He lit me up like no tomorrow. And when he came to the window, I did not lie. The first thing out of my mouth was, oh, my, I have this meeting and I'm, I'm, it's, I'm all stressed about it and I'm going over it in my mind and I was going 57. And he said, yes, you were. <laughs> Independently verified by my device. <laughs> okay? Your speedometer is working well. <laughs> okay? So we have a professional police force. When you're robbed today, if you ever get robbed, you're, if your house is burglarized or your car is broken into, chances are you're never gonna know who did it, right? You don't know the people who steal from you. Uh, there's this anonymity that happens today. Um, so when we get robbed today, we often don't know the criminal. Now, in ancient Israel, there was no popo. There weren't police. And so if you were the victim of a crime, 
uh, you, you didn't file a police report. You went to the town elders and you made an accusation and chances are the person who victimized you was your neighbor, somebody from the village that you were from and you knew them personally. And so you went to the town elders and you said, hey, Billy stole my sheep. I know it was Billy. How do you know it was Billy? Well, this is his staff because I set up this thing and, and to make sure if anybody was trying to get in, they'd trip and sure enough, and I'd recognize this staff anywhere and Billy would have to produce witnesses. Billy, is that your staff? No, my staff is rounder than that. And so, and on and on it would go and, and you made accusations and he tried to defend himself. And so what happened is the verdict was rendered immediately right there on the spot. Once they heard all the stories, uh, convict or acquit right then and there. And then the penalty happened. And, if, and, and uh, the other thing that was different is in ancient Israel, there weren't any prisons. So if you were convicted of a crime in ancient Israel, uh, you either had to pay restitution. So in this case, if it's Billy who stole the lamb, Billy, not only do you gotta give the lamb back, you gotta give two more lambs or whatever it was, you had to make restitution. Or if it was a capital offense, they would take you out right then and there and, and kill you. Execution was immediate. Um, now here's what I find absolutely encouraging by the practices of the ancient Israelites that God commands. And the first is found in Deuteronomy 19. You must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of only one witness. God required there to be at least two, which made Israel different from all of its surrounding neighbors. The other thing that happened is that if you were accusing somebody of a crime and they were convicted, you had to throw the first stone to kill them. The assumption being it's one thing to lie about someone you know. Again, this would have been somebody that you know. It's one thing to lie about them. It's another thing to kill an innocent person. And the assumption was being hopefully that's enough to prevent people from doing something absolutely despicable. We have an obligation. We have an obligation to be truth tellers outside of the courtroom. We do. Not just in the courtroom, but outside of the courtroom because God is God of truth. He is. God is God of a truth. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of grace and what? Truth. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Uh, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth and the life, right, yeah, so God is a God of truth. Everything that God says and does are words and deeds of truth. And so, of course, if we're gonna be peep God's people, we're gonna be truth tellers. In Zechariah 8, verse 16, it says this, but this is what you must do, tell the truth to each other. And then part that gets me, render verdicts in your courts that are just and lead to peace. I read that and I go, whoa, we Americans have a lot to repent over, right? Render verdicts in your courts that are just and lead to peace. Proverbs 14, five, an honest witness does not lie. A false witness breathes lies. And then third John, everyone speaks highly of Demetrius as does the truth itself. In other words, what you've heard about Demetrius is true, and then we ourselves can say the same, and you know we speak the truth. In other words, we're not going to say something untrue about someone else. This is John speaking on behalf of a community of faith. And then 1 Peter 2, and, and we're gonna camp out here for a, a bit. So get rid of all evil behavior. 
And what are, what's the evil behavior we're supposed to toss out, right? Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. And I wanna unpack this. Jesus, by the way, if you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus was not full of deceit. Jesus was not full of hypocrisy. Jesus was not jealous. Man, how's come Pilate's got all the cool stuff? Didn't never read it in the Gospels. Jesus was not unkind. Um, Now, he was forceful with some people that were real hypocrites, and we can get into that, but Jesus was not these things, okay? So, uh, first of all, be done with deceit. In other words, don't lie. So, for my RV salesman days, we shouldn't have never said, well, this was only driven three times. What we should have said was, you know what? They got a lot of use in it. They traded it in, but man, didn't it clean up nice? I'd camp out on this. There's a difference. The truth matters, right? Um, Don't lie. The second thing, uh, hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocrite. The word hypocrite comes from this word um, that Greek actors, the mask that Greek actors would use. Or, right? And so they would wear these masks. Uh, Don't be a hypocrite. I think one of the biggest problems of the American church is hypocrisy twofold. One, we say we follow Jesus and then we don't live like him. But then secondly, we always pretend like we have it all together. How are you? I'm fine. Just blessed to be in the house of the Lord today. Isn't it a wonderful day? (laughs) Okay, so don't don't be a hypocrite. Three, don't be jealous. There are three reasons that we will typically slander or lie or bear false testimony against someone else. There are three reasons. One, they've hurt us. I've been here this year. There have been some people that have been really unkind to my wife, not here, but out in life. And I know that there's an offense because when I'm driving around in my car, in my head and out loud, I'm telling them how life works, right? I'm giving them the speech. So that tells me there's an offense in my heart (laughs) that requires some more, God, I choose as an act of my will to forgive them, help me to live and walk this out, right? And there have been a couple of times this past year where in settings, I've thrown them under the bus. Why? Because I'm offended, okay? So an offense, when somebody's hurt us, we can lie, we can slander, we can be very unkind in our speech uh, to them. Another, another reason that we're, we tend to do this is because of envy, right? They have something that we feel that we should have gotten. Maybe they got the award that we felt had our name all over it. And so because we're envious, because we're jealous, you know, we say these awful things about them. And then the last thing, the last reason that we will often uh, violate the ninth commandment with others is because uh, we're not happy with ourselves. We're not happy with our appearance. We're not happy with our station of life and someone else, right? And so we just lash out because we're not happy with where we are or who we are, what we have, okay? And these are powerful reasons why we will lie, why we will uh, use unkind speech, okay? But again, God wants us to be truthful. He wants us to be truth tellers. He wants us to live the truth, to walk the truth, to speak the truth, um, and, and, and to be not unkind. There was a thing our grandmothers always said, right? If you can't say something nice, 
That's really not bad advice, is it? That's pretty good advice. That's pretty good advice. Um, so consider others. This unkind speech is the considering of others in what we're saying, okay? So in light of do not bear false witness against your neighbor, in light of thou shalt not lie, in light of this desire that God has for us to be truth tellers and to be kind, let me ask a couple of questions, right? The first question is, what's the truth about you? What's the truth about you? Um, have you been lying or faking it or posing to others, right? What's the truth about you? And then secondly, what lies have you been telling? Maybe it's lies you've been telling about yourself. Well, I could never, I'm just, things that aren't true. Are there things, lies you've been telling about others? So I really want to have some, you'll notice there's six points of application today, <laughs> okay? Because there's a lot of ways that we could really live this and walk in this and lean into this, okay? And the first is simple. Don't fake it. This is one of our church values, by the way. If you don't know this, don't fake it is actually one of our church values. So, and I'm gonna give you a phrase that you can use instead of I'm fine. So, if you find yourself in a situation and your tail is between your legs and you're not sure that God's really good and you're struggling in your faith and everything seems like it's cloudy and whenever you talk, you hear Eeyore's voice, right, okay? If you find yourself in that, those circumstances when somebody says, well, how are you? You don't need to say, I'm fine. You can say, I'm here. I'm here. And that's huge, okay? When you're struggling, when you're not sure that you can count on God, when there's that faith stuff that percolates on the inside, being here, you could, you could cave. You could say, you know what, I'm just gonna isolate myself and I'm gonna boo-hoo-hoo and da-da-da-da. But you know, when you show up and, and it's not well and somebody says, well, how are you? It's, it's more than okay to say, I'm here. And I'm here counts for something, okay? So use it. And when somebody uses it and in response to your question, no, okay, that's going on. And you know what? Yes, it is a good thing. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you. All right? Don't fake it. Secondly, we Christians should be the people in the United States who do not post fake news. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, of anybody in America, you know, there's a lot of fake news, supposedly. I hear this from all kinds of places, right? So we should be the people when in our social media accounts that we're not posting or reposting something that, that isn't true, right? And, and here's, here's a simple litmus test. If you want, I've got like, I have a 20-page guide from our library about how to spot fake news and how not to be a victim of fake news or, or repost fake news. I'll, I'll happily share that. But one simple litmus test is if you see something and you're immediately like, yes, or whoa, chances are it's fake news, right? Because it's gotten what it wanted to get from you, okay? So if, if there's an immediate yes, and I'm not talking, you know, go Vikings. I'm talking about, you know, something, something that's, you know, political, social, that kind of stuff is probably fake news. So number two, don't post fake news. Three, J. Ellsworth Callis says, a label is libel. Let me say that again. A label is libel. 
Resist labels. When we smack a label on someone, libtard, right winger, feminazi, <laughs> you know, we, we slap these, right? When we, I'll make sure I'm not spitting. <laughs> when we slap those, when we slap those labels on people, we've dismissed them as people. And we don't need to consider their ideas, we don't need to consider them as people, right? And we're commanded to love God and love people, okay? So resist the urge to label uh, others. Um, number four, this is convicting me like no tomorrow. Oh, I wish I hadn't read this theologian. So I read this long, long thing on what does the ninth commandment really mean? And this theologian had the audacity to go, well, sometimes being silent in the face of injustice is bearing false witness, is lying, because you're allowing injustice to prevail. And the point he made in this long article is, well, you know, in the 1960s South, you had this whole segregation thing that was just going boom. And you could look at the sermons that were being preached on Sunday and you would never know that something hugely unjust was happening Monday through Saturday. Okay. I'm an S on the disc profile, so our theme song is, Why Can't We Be Friends? <laughs> okay, so this is convicting me. Don't remain silent in the face of injustice. God cares about justice. If you don't believe me, read the Minor Prophets. I've been in the Minor Prophets lately. It seems like God's crotchety, okay? So he gets bent out of shape when justice gets perverted. God cares about justice, okay? Uh, sit, or number five, not saying what needs to be said. Um, we're too good of friends for me not to say I'm concerned. I'm concerned about your marriage. I'm concerned about how you're treating your kids. I'm concerned about this business partner that you brought on, right? It's what human beings do. Human beings care for one another to say things that are uncomfortable because we care about them, right? So sometimes bearing false witness is not saying what needs to be said. And the last clear thing, which I would hope would be obvious, don't gossip. We, I grew up uh, Baptist, and sometimes in our Baptist prayer share, that was just gossip. I need you to pray for my coworker, Denise. And, you know, out came the big, long story, and everybody's like, oh, boy. You know, and right, mm, prayer share, gossip, no, bad. Okay, we don't do that. But uh, wh what is gossip, all right? So when someone tells you something juicy, ask these questions. Is it true? Is it true? Does it need to be said to this person? Would I say it in the presence of the person I'm talking about? And that's a good filter for, okay, hmm, I'm just gonna sit on this. I'm gonna sit on this. In the book of Acts, we're presented with uh, a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And they were a rich couple who had sold some land and who brought only a portion of the proceeds of the sale to the church and they made a big to-do and they kind of laid it out and everybody was like, oh, man, you guys are amazing. And something incredible happened. They lied to the church because it wasn't what they had gotten for the sale of the land. And then they lied to God and they both were struck dead 
in the New Testament, right, okay? <laughs> in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. And so there's some big things going on in the story. What's the, one of the big things going on? They were posing. They were faking it, right? They were lying to the church and lying to God. They were wanting the accolades of, because other people had sold land and brought in 100% of the sale. And it was an amazingly generous, and they just wanted everybody to think that they were that generous. They didn't have to give all the money. There's, nobody had a gun to their head, right? <laughs> but they did this thing to lie and to act as though they were more generous than they really were. And here's the thing. God hates for us to act more righteous than we really are. If Just read Jesus' interchanges with the Pharisees, who were convinced, right, Man, not only do we have it figured out, we've got it together. If there's a group of people that God looks down on earth and goes, woo, two thumbs up, baby, it's us Pharisees. And th this was the group of people Jesus was harshest toward. Okay, so God, God really hates it for us to, when we make ourselves look more righteous than we really are. To act like we have it spiritually together is often a lie. So here's the thing. When you quit faking it, and when you quit throwing other people under the bus, you can actually start to live a more human life. Um, it's almost like what Jesus said is true. The truth will set you free.